This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 270, Mapping the Financial Heart with Jason Bleak. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I want to tell you about the American Institute of Stress. The American Institute for Stress says that stress has been linked to over 50 common health issues, including inflammation, weight gain, foggy mind, grinding teeth. Just about all health problems can be taken back to this thing called stress. And this ultimately leads to disease and even death. Yes, that's right. In fact, there's an old saying, don't spend the first half of your life using your health to get your wealth, only to spend the second half of your life just spending your wealth to try to get back your health. I'd prefer, honestly, not to lose either of them. In fact, there is a tight relationship between our wealth and our health. How you treat one directly impacts how you treat the other. You cannot ignore one for long without impacting the other. If you ignore your health and focus only on accumulating wealth, pretty soon you're going to have to spend all of your wealth on hospital bills. We have all of us a financial heart, and it beats to the rhythm of your emotions surrounding money specifically. So how do you feel about money, about your money? How heart healthy is your financial life? Are you stressed out of your gourd watching markets spiral out of control? And are you glued to your portfolio balances, watching it up and down, up and down a hundred times a day? Does your money cause you financial heartache? Is there a relationship between your financial heart and your biological heart? It does appear so, yes. So it appears the best research actually from the Journal of American Medical Association or JAMA says that there is a direct correlation between our financial life and our lifespan. Now, shockingly, those who experienced a devastating financial loss, what they call a wealth shock, that's the words they use in the article, have a 50% greater risk of dying earlier than others who didn't have that experience. And it doesn't matter how much money you had to start off. So how likely are you to experience a wealth shock? About one in four people in the study had a wealth shock averaging a loss of about $100,000 or so. Now, that means some people it was a lot less, some it was a lot more. But it's that trigger event that causes the biological stress to kick in and for folks to actually die earlier than they otherwise would. Often, this wealth shock was a result of a drop in value of their retirement accounts or a home foreclosure or a job loss, things outside of their control. Here's one more study just to get us ready for our guest today. Financial stress can have an immediate impact on well-being, but can it also lead to physical pain even 30 years after the financial impact? The answer is yes. According to a new research from the University of Georgia, scientists in this study published in the Stress and Health Journal revealed that family financial stress in one's midlife is associated with a depleted sense of control, which is related to increased physical pain in their later years. This is really fascinating to me. 
The research suggests that stressful experiences like a financial strain erode psychological and psychosocial resources, like a sense of control or companionship with a partner, that sort of thing. This depletion of resources activate these brain regions that are very sensitive to stress, launching pathological, physiological, and neurological processes that lead to health conditions like physical pain, limitations, disability, loneliness, cardiovascular disease, and a whole lot of other bad stuff that we don't want to have happen. So there is a major journey that we all must take to coordinate a healthy financial life with a healthy physical life. How do you negotiate the relationship between your health and your wealth? Our guest today will help us not only build a financial foundation that brings security and control, but may just help you live longer too. So our guest today is Jason Bleak. He's a wealth strategist, a real estate investor, and he's a man on a mission to help people reduce their financial stress and change their money mindset. They can make more of an impact in the world and even leave a legacy. Jason had a wealth shock 10 years ago, which was the catalyst to begin researching, studying, trying many different financial products and strategies that eventually find low stress and predictable ways now to help build wealth. Now, Jason is the owner of the financial firm Golden Rule Wealth. He's helping individuals, business owners, and real estate investors create low-stress, sane wealth strategies that are proven, predictable, and tax-efficient, and unknown to the typical financial advisor and planner, which helps his clients reduce financial stress and take back control of their financial future. So with that introduction, welcome Jason Bleak. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks. Glad to be here. Well, first of all, tell us how you got here. You've gone through a couple different iterations of the Jason Bleak transformation. Yep. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, it's mapping hearts to mapping money is my journey. Let's take it far back to when I was a little kid. I grew up like probably most Americans and I wasn't fed with a silver spoon. When I was a little kid, I thought all you had to do to get what you wanted is scribble on this little piece of paper. And for the audience members that are fairly young, that's called a check. We used to use those things. We would hand the paper to some random stranger and they would give us something in exchange for that. And I thought that's all there was to it. Fast forward, I got into school. I got uh, more driver's education than financial education at the time. And you know, the problem was I didn't have anyone to show me how money really worked and how to safely grow my wealth and teach me the common pitfalls of the typical financial advice. I went to a college, I took a test. Hey, you know, what am I good at? What am I supposed to do? And it came back with finance or something in healthcare. I didn't know a whole lot of finance. It was interesting, but I wanted to help people. So I went into healthcare and you know, I was trained basically teach doctors, help doctors, cardiologists, electrophysiologists to fix the electrical system of people's hearts. And we would use these fancy 3D mapping systems. So we were mapping the heart to identify the problem areas and cure these patients from fast arrhythmias that, that were causing problems. And it was in the healthcare system when I noticed this vicious cycle of stress and finances. And I didn't quite put it all together at the time, but fast forward, 
after two major stock market crashes or corrections, I was following the typical financial advice at the time, listening to the talking heads on the radio and the TV. I had no clue how money really worked. It was at that point I decided I needed to do some learning and some digging. So I started reading and researching and tried many different strategies, products, stocks, stock options, mutual funds, real estate, you know, you name it. I probably tried it. Eventually, I was fortunate enough to be connected with a couple wealthy mentors that showed me why the old way of doing things that led to those crashes wasn't working. And they showed me a whole new way of handling my money. And Mark, have you ever had that aha moment? Oh yeah. That feels like almost every day sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, that was my aha moment, my turning point when I was able to learn what the wealthy did with their money. I finally started moving in the right direction. That was my money mindset moment when it started shifting. And also I started sleeping better at night. You know, after that correction, I had a lot of stress, a lot of financial stress and anxiety around that time. And my health went downhill. But after I found out how to handle my money properly, yeah, I could sleep better. Anxiety, stress was going away. Health was improving. And eventually I wanted to teach others safe and stress-free ways to build their wealth. So when I got to the right point, I left the healthcare scene and I started Golden Rule Wealth. And now I help map out people's money for them and get them on a sane path. Mark, you have a master in divinity. So let me ask you this. Do you know how many times fear not is mentioned in the Bible? It's, I think the most, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's the most common command in the Bible. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, how know many if it's times, the most though. common, but yeah, it's roughly 365. Oh, wow. Time. Hard to say, right? Different versions out there. But the term fear not is spoken a fair bit. I think we can agree on that, right? And could that be because the stress and the chains of fear on us is not good for us? It's these what ifs that come about, the unknowns, because we don't know the future. Uh, we don't know future outcomes. This causes stress and anxiety, which unfortunately destroys our health. We've been talking about fear. We've been talking about financial stress, but is it, is it a pervasive fear? How common is financial stress? Oh yeah. Good question. So the American Psychology Association does an annual stress survey and just about every year, financial stress is the number one cause of people's stress. Number one cause is financial Financial problems. stress wow. is the number one cause. Yep. And then to add to that Capital One, Capital One, you see them on commercial, they do a similar survey. Their results, 73% of people said finances are their number one cause of stress. Wow. So, and I, I've got a whole list of this, but it's it's a common theme. It's very pervasive out, out in the American world. And all these surveys, all, all the people are saying is they're stressed about not knowing what to do with their money not having a clear plan. They're worried they might have to work past 65. They're afraid they're, they might live longer than their money. Saving, saying that the typical financial plan isn't really what they want. A lot of people are saying that doesn't really work for them. They want financial freedom. They want financial independence. 
and they don't want it 40 years into the future. They want it a lot sooner. So those are a lot of the things that people are saying in these surveys and what's causing their stress. I don't know if you've got any relationship between stress and disease, but I bet you there's a correlation or even a causation there. Would you have any insight on that? Yeah. Lots of studies on stress. That's for sure. First, let's be clear about something really fast. A little stress is okay, right? We all have a little stress, you know, stress, stress can be good. For example, if you're trying to build up the biceps, right? We got to put a little stress on the muscle to build those up so you can get your beach bod, not your dad bod. Nothing wrong with your dad bod, man. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, stress is good also if, hey, you're trying to dodge that crazy person that's texting on their phone while they're driving as you're trying to go through the crosswalk, right? We get that adrenaline and get out of the way. It's when stress becomes constant that it becomes a problem. The American Institute of Stress says that stress has been researched or linked to over 50 common health issues, inflammation, weight gain, bad habits, foggy mind, bad decision-making, grinding teeth, heart problems, chest, I mean, the list goes on, adrenal fatigue. And this excess stress leads to clinic visits. Go to your doctor. What's going on with me? You're not, you can't put a finger on it. Okay. There's a cost with that, right? If it gets bad enough, you might end up in hospital care. Mm. Those costs add up to the individual as, as well as the system. And this creates financial stress, right? Medical bills and medical debt is a huge wealth destroyer in our country. Um, And then this is just a vicious cycle, right? As the bills pile up, it causes more financial stress stress leads to health problems and we go around and around, right? And just as a side note, it's estimated the U.S. loses roughly 300 billion with a B each year due to stress-related issues. Wow. So in my mind, if money is the number one stressor, let's deal with this root cause and get people healthy. And hey, we might even help the system as well. So you're still kind of in healthcare even though you're a financial professional now. I think that's really a remarkable insight. And thank you for some of those studies you listed too. I think that's truly eye-opening. What are some of the particular strategies folks can do or take advantage of or employ? You know, I want to get tactical here, man. What -hmm. can we do to relieve some of the financial stress? Sure. Of course. I assume you mean besides just working with golden rule wealth or yourself. Right. (laughs) That's easy. (laughs) That's easy. Right. No, first I think people need to get back to the basics and truly start saving more. We are at a low point in our country for saving, which what last I looked, I think we're at maybe four and a half, 5% is if we are saving, that's about what it is. And just a side note, the countries that have low stress, they have a savings rate of two to four times ours. Wow. Coincidence? I Mm. think not. Hey, number two, I think people should have liquidity. This is a key to low financial stress environment. And beyond that, I think people should be asking themselves, what do they really want their money to do for them? This usually includes things like, hey, how safe is my money? Do I want my money safe? Do I want to potentially lose my money? Do I want guarantees? Do I want predictability? Do I want to have a tax-free income later in life? How liquid is my money? How do I want my money to be transferred in the future? Is my money protected from creditors and predators? Those sort of things. 
And third, I think people, for the majority of Americans, they should stop putting their money in financial vehicles that have volatility. This causes a ton of stress, especially when we lose money. Why would you choose to put your money somewhere where it's going to lose money when there's options out there where you can put your money that's safe, guaranteed, predictable, where you won't lose money? Did you know there's, there's a study called the Silver AMI? Have you ever heard of this? No. It's a published study in the Journal of American Medical Association. And the study found that those that thought, just thought, they didn't have enough money to cover medical bills had a 61% increased risk of dying in six months after their heart attack. So what's interesting there is this is just their thought. It's a mental state. That shows you the power of your mind and thoughts. So if you're looking at your account and you're seeing a big old drop and it going up and down, your mind sees that, right? And and recognizes that and can have negative impact on your health. Fascinating. It's much like the other study from JAMA, the same journal. They had a negative wealth shock, um, which is... For example, after a big stock market crash, those who experience a major financial blow are 60% more likely to die early than those who don't suffer that loss. And I could go on about suicide rates and money and all that sort of thing. But I think you get the point. Let's be putting our money where we're not constantly worried about, is it going to drop? And how much longer am I going to have to work to make up that, that lost money? So we've got a behavior change, which is save more. And okay, I get it, Jason, we need to save more, but how? We might come back to that. Number Mm -hmm. two, liquidity. We do have some control over where we put our money because as we say on our podcast, where you put your money makes it act differently. Mm -hmm. And so we do have a choice, right? We can choose the 401k or we could choose a bank on yourself type whole life policy, just as a case in point there for liquidity. So number two, we have you know, maybe a bit more choice over instantly, we can make decisions about where we save our money. Mm -hmm. I still want to know how to save more. That's going to be important. And then third, volatility. Again, we do have some choice over where we put our cash, if it's going to be in a volatile meme stock, or if it's Mm -hmm. going to be under my bed in a shoebox, or if it's going to be again in a bank on yourself designed whole life policy. These are all things that impact literally my longevity, like my literal beating heart here. So you're still mapping hearts is the refrain, I guess, I'm thinking as you're describing what you do for clients today. Uh, any feedback on what I'm saying so far, or would you like to carry it on? Yeah, no, you're spot on, Mark. For instance, the savings piece, let's address that, right? People don't know where their money's going. I don't know how many clients, yeah, I should be I should be way further ahead, but I don't know where it's going. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. So I hate the word budget. I just don't like it. It makes me kind of cringe. It makes me. You just like, uh, you just made like half of our subscribers unsubscribe, man. So no, <laughs> just just kidding, just kidding. Go ahead, budget. Tell us what budgeting is in your purview. First off, I don't like the term budget. So let's say money plan instead. Let's have a money plan. Let's see where all our dollars are going. We can't move forward unless we know where we stand, right? So once I get with a client that doesn't know where their money's going, that's kind of the first thing is, hey, let's see where everything's going. Once we can find out where everything's going, we can assign those dollars each to have a job, right? And we can start cutting out those things that aren't growing our wealth, i.e. now we're going to start shifting that into the saving job. 
And as you mentioned, you're a big proponent of bank on yourself is a great place to stash cash, right? It's a great storage vehicle for this, which leads us to the other thing, right? Reducing stress and liquidity. Again, bank on yourself, great place. It's predictable. It's guaranteed to grow. It's liquid. We can access that money whenever we want without fear of having to go get the approval to use our own money. We don't get penalized for using our money. It's always funny to me. People think they're doing the right thing by the old 401k, but it's locked up. It's not liquid. Mm-hmm. It's going up and down. It's all the things I just said that cause stress all wrapped up in one. I know you may not have come here with a peer-reviewed 10,000 participant survey on bank on yourself policyholders, but I'd like to know anecdotally, maybe, what stories can you share either from your clients or from your own personal life? How does owning a bank on yourself designed policy impact the level of stress for you, if no one else? Yeah, good question. And we're working on what you just described. We're actually going to try to put together some some data around using bank on yourself style policies and how that relieves stress. But let me talk about my own personal experience. That's the easiest for me instead of somebody else's. I went through those two major corrections, 50% drops each. And this is another thing, by the way, that causes stress is people rely on averages. And as you know, and you've probably talked about, averages are meaningless as far as the stock market and stuff goes. So my 50% drop, I needed a hundred percent return just to get back to even. And after the last downturn, I think that was going to take me roughly like 10 plus years to do, which when I saw that 50% drop, that was my negative wealth shock, right? I, I ended up with a ton of stress and anxiety and grinding teeth and all kinds of things. But once I found the mentors that actually showed me what's wrong with that system and showed me how to use a bank on yourself style policy, my stress levels melted away. My anxiety melted away. I could sleep better at night. So that's my own personal experience. I love the feeling of not having to watch the stock market. I just know my money will be there. It's growing, guaranteed, Mm. predictably. I can't even shut it off if I wanted to. It just keeps going. And I can use it whenever I want. I've used it for real estate. I've used it for business purposes. We started a franchise. I got my business up and running with it. It's just, it's a great avenue to use. For me, has relieved a lot of stress. Tell me about how health has played a part in your financial planning philosophy. It's a big piece. I see the impact that the stress has and finances is the number one, right? So with my background and actually seeing people and their anxiety when they're laying in a healthcare bed in a hospital and their mind is churning on how am I going to cover this? How am I going to pay these bills? And then I see them just tightening up and getting stressed even more, just thinking about it and knowing that that's not helping them heal. That stress, that load of that financial burden is not helping them. So Mm. if I can help relieve somebody's stress, improve their health, get them to enjoy their retirement years, and it's not just retirement, right? It's as we're living today, getting to that point, making sure all parts are taken care of and people are happy and enjoying life. If you had a billboard or a Super Bowl commercial to share whatever you want with the world, what's one thing you feel like people don't realize about the bank on yourself philosophy? Not the tool of whole life, but the philosophy of bank on yourself. 
Ooh, good question, Mark. There's a lot there that people don't understand. Can we just change the name of what the underlying vehicle is? I think that's one of the biggest roadblocks people have, right? They've heard from the talking heads in the media. I don't know if you know that root beer. This is you know, not your dad's root beer or something like that. But if we could say, bank on yourself, it's not your grandpa's whole life yeah, <laughs> policy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that would be helpful. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. How do you cram all this into a just a one statement billboard? I'm not sure, but let's just get rid of labels. Let's say, what do you want your money to do? This is what it can do. This is how it relieves your stress. This is how it grows your wealth. Mm-hmm. And stop just listening to talking heads and all the noise out there and the naysayers and just go investigate for yourself. Just saying that, man, I think you just lowered my blood pressure by like 10 points. So that's well done already. <laughs> hey, this is going to be a hard right turn. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, why must pigeons be wealthy? Well, let me ask you, Mark. Why must pigeons be wealthy? They're birds of a feather that flock together? I don't know. <laughs> See, pigeons are, are most likely wealthy because they like to put large deposits on expensive cars. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, that you may not have a dad bond, but you got dad jokes. Exactly. In, yeah. In your my kids love those Yeah. I love that, man. <laughs> that's great. Okay. Well, that's a good one to end on. Tell us where we can find you and what do you do when you sit down to, to work with folks? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. So yeah, if your listeners would like to remove financial stress in their lives, have more peace of mind that comes with knowing their wealth is going to be growing predictably every year. Be honored to give them a free, no obligation, stress-free financial analysis to help them reach their goals, reach their dreams. It's really simple and easy. If you just go to www.goldrw.com, that's G-O-L-D-R-W.com. Awesome. Jason, thanks for your time and thanks for all you do. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. So I want to thank Jason for coming on the show, for bringing such great value. And I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in this week. As always, it's great to be a part of the revolution with you. Please jump on our Not Your Average Financial Community. You can meet Jason there. You can meet me there. And we can all have a conversation about what we've just learned, what we've just discussed. That's at notyouraverage.mn.co. That's the name of the community. It's off of Facebook and Instagram and more. That's notyouraverage.mn.co, free community. And you can get to know Jason and many of our other uh, established and esteemed guests on our podcast. With that, thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.